All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, hello. It is January the 29th. Happy anniversary day, Auckland. Or should it be? That is the question we're asking today. Let's get straight into things. Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. There are calls to change the date of today's Auckland anniversary commemorations. So what's on the table, and could it actually happen? We're speaking to the journalist behind an investigation that revealed a crypto company had a fake CEO. We have the latest tip from researchers in the UK to keep your carrots crisp and crunchy, and the reason why an Italian city is DNA testing every dog within its boundaries. All that's coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Every year, Auckland anniversary falls on the Monday closest to January 29th. And every year, people who live in Auckland, Northland, Bay of Plenty, Gisborne and the Waikato, in other words, the top half of the North Island, gladly keep their laptops shut on their extra day off. But there are renewed calls for the super city to recognise the date it was actually born, which local iwi Ngāti Fatua suggests is September 1840, or more precisely, September 18, 1840, when Chief Ape Hai Tikawo laid the foundations for Auckland City. That's because the date we're marking today commemorates William Hobson arriving in the far north and as a result marks the founding of the country at large with no direct relevance to Auckland, our largest city. Here to discuss this further is Chair of Ngāti Whātua Orake Trust, Marama Royal. Kia ora. Kia ora. Marama, why should Auckland, et al, consider changing the date? The relevance um, of the 29th of January is uh, the day that Governor Hobson put his uh, anchor into Kororareka, which is Russell. And it has no relevance to us here in, in Auckland, down here in Tāmaki or to others that, you know, celebrate that particular day. But for us here in, in Auckland, it was my tūpuna, uh, Apihai Tekawo, who invited Governor Hobson down from Kororareka and said to him, come down and see the opportunity to build a city here. And he stood atop um, our, our maunga and he put his arms out and that was the first 3,000 acres which was to establish the beautiful city that we live in, which is Auckland. And so that happened on the 18th of September, 1840. So that date is more significant for us because that was the true birth. Some might argue, why fix something when it's not broke? It's still just a day off regardless. What do you say to them? How significant is that September 18th date? The gifting of the first 3,000 acres um, to Governor Hobson to establish Auckland City, it ended up being the capital because uh, at that time Russell was the capital because it was the biggest trading place. And then when Auckland City was established by Governor Hobson by bringing in his his troops and all the settlers, Auckland became the biggest trading space. Look, we, we love having our holidays, our stat days, and maybe it is just saying, well, you can still have your day in January, but don't call it Auckland Anniversary. Don't give it another name. Give it um, the top half of the North 
island <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> Russell's anniversary, by the sounds of that. It just makes sense to us that the true birth of Auckland is on the 18th of September. So, you know, shifting a date is easy enough. Have you been speaking with any decision makers or people who could make the change, i.e. the government on this? Yeah, we've raised it. Uh, we've raised it with council. We've raised it with um, government ministers. And it's just been a conversation because we know that this is going to be a huge conversation that we need to have. We need to also bring in the people that live, work and play here because it, this is about our city. And, you know, we will advocate, we will talk to people, we will explain the reason why the 18th of September is so important. If it wasn't for the gifting of that land, what would be here now? Would Auckland be the biggest city in New Zealand? Nati Fatua Orake Trust Chair, Marama Royal, thank you so much for explaining all of that. I had no idea. <laughs> I had none. I think a lot of people are in that same position. So I want to know what you think. Do you think we should change Auckland anniversary date? There'll be a poll on the Stuff Instagram page. Get your votes in. NZ Stuff is our Instagram handle. And if you have even further thoughts, that's hard to say, isn't it? Further thoughts. You can always email us, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Here's a headline that caught my attention. Chief executive of collapsed crypto fund Hyperverse doesn't appear to exist. A Guardian Australia investigation at the end of last year found thousands of people lost millions of dollars to this Hyperverse's crypto scheme. But to top it all off, the investigation also discovered the man who claimed to be the boss, Stephen Rees Lewis, wasn't real. This is as bizarre as it sounds, but to explain it all is the reporter behind this piece of work, Sarah Martin from the Guardian Australia's investigations team. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for having me on. First and foremost, Hyperverse, Mm. failed crypto fund. Can you explain in a nutshell what happened there? (laughs) It's probably going to be a large nutshell, but uh, yes, look, it's um, a very convoluted crypto investment scheme. It was quite rampant throughout the course of the pandemic. So it began in 2020 as Hyperfund and then uh, morphed into Hyperverse with this razzle-dazzle launch event at the end of 2021. Uh, So what was it? It was a membership-based fund and you got these extraordinary returns on your investment and you were promised Uh, that you would be able to triple your money, but also you were promised that you would be part of this hyper community, which um, offered uh, in Hyperverse the the opportunity to explore a new metaverse that would rival Facebook's metaverse. I know I'm running out of nutshell, but um, where do we go next? Oh my goodness, this sounds very bizarre. So then tell me about how you first found out that the CEO was fake. Was there a piece of information? Was something said that made you think, I need to look into this? So look, I guess um, people were promised these astonishing returns through this fund and there was this fairly bizarre launch event with this person called Stephen Rees-Lewis presented as the chief executive. Now, I guess what piqued my attention was there was a bit of suspicion among people once it all fell apart that this guy maybe wasn't real. So we went about doing 
doing the work of trying to check his credentials, which were quite impressive, it has to be said. So, you know, he was a graduate of Leeds University and Cambridge University. He'd allegedly sold a, a business to Adobe. He built his own fintech startup company. Um, he'd worked for Goldman Sachs as a derivatives trader. And yet, despite this fairly impressive CV, we could find no record of him outside of hyperverse promotional material. And I think we all appreciate that in this day and age, it's very difficult to have such an illustrious career and yet have no uh, internet presence whatsoever. So we were able to establish that none of those claim credentials had any basis in fact. So what's happened since you broke all of this? What's the company had to say? Does it even exist? Uh, well, no, it's not It's not the sort of normal uh, company that you can, you know, contact the well, contact the chief executive, for example, or um, a board or, you know, there's no registered company address. They don't really exist anywhere other than on the internet, the hypertech. Hyper and obviously people want answers and they want to get their money back, but there's no, there's no way of that happening as far as I can tell. Have you spoken to people who lost money in all of this? Oh, yeah, I've spoken to quite a few people. Um, you know, I think in the course of a day, I think I spoke to people who had you know, combined lost half a million dollars. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, terribly sad stories, people who've tapped into their superannuation, um, people who put in their life savings. Goodness gracious me, what a story and a half. Sarah Martin from The Guardian Australian's investigations team, thank you uh, for your work on this. Wowie, I will keep reading. My pleasure. It appeared that a vehicle may have gone over the 80-metre cliff into the sea. There have been no bodies found despite considerable debris being washed ashore. Nine years ago, a man named John Beckenridge abducted his stepson, Mike Zhao Beckenridge. Soon afterwards, they vanished. Now, a new investigation is trying to find out what happened to them. This is The Lost Boy. Listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. An Italian city's novel approach to encourage and shame dog owners into picking up dog poo is still to come. In my humble opinion, this is genius, and I reckon you'll all be on board with it as well. But remember, if you haven't already, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. Otherwise, you could miss stories like this one. Chopped carrot pieces are a snacking staple, and now researchers from the UK have taken a look at how to keep them crispy and crunchy enough to dip in your favourite hummus. Producer Aaron has got more details. Why does this happen? That's right, and the team from the University of Bath found cut carrots curl over time due to what's called residual stresses from the circular layers they form as they grow, which pulls on them when cut lengthwise. I believe the scientists have offered up some advice. Yes, keep things cool, chill out, mm. is the tip. Basically, store carrots in cold, moist and airtight environments to extend the dipping life of snacks and possibly cut food waste. So why? Why do they want to figure this out? That is the question. It's a good question and I promise you it's all in the name of sustainability. Daukus carota, more commonly known as a carrot, is one of the highest market value crops in the world and it's noted for its high production efficiency. But despite that carrot wastage, turns out it's high. About 25-30% to 30 of this happens before processing and packaging due to physiological deformities, mechanical damage or infected sections. So if we can store that daukus carota a little bit better, 
Maybe it'll last you that little bit longer. Are you going to call them Daukus Karata for the rest of your life now? Absolutely. Now that you know the formal, the formal, sorry, I think you'll find that the Daukus Latin. Karota. Can you imagine going to a party and going, that actually is Daukus Karota and hummus? <laughs> saying, what's your party trick? Well, I know the uh, technical term for the carrot. <laughs> I love this. Good on you, University of Bath. There's a special place reserved in a certain afterlife land for people who don't pick up dog poo. Is there anything worse than stepping in dog poo or on dog poo? I'd argue universally it must hit the top 10 ways to ruin your day. And clearly it's a huge issue in the Italian city of Bolzano because dog owners have been ordered, ordered to have their dog's DNA tested so that they can all be put into a database And if an unpicked up poo is spotted, authorities will DNA test the poo and then find the owner, the culprit, who didn't bother to pick it up. The fine for not picking up poo? According to the BBC, it's anywhere between $90 and $900. That is a very, very wide gap, which makes me think the fine might be determined on size. And if you don't get your dog's DNA tested and put into the database... And there's an estimated 40,000 or so dogs in this area. You can be fined nearly $2,000. Officials in Bolzano are not coming to play here. My only hope, though, is that they have a version of Crime Stoppers or Police 107. I think I'm onto something here because I reckon what they do at the end of all the crime shows is they have a dedicated slot where there's a montage of all the people who didn't pick up the poo because we have the DNA now and we can confirm that this person did not pick up poo and then immediately know it's now somewhat a crime in Bolzano. I reckon that would make for great television. Anyway, that's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. Pick up your poo. Your dog's poo. Hopefully you don't need to pick up just any poo. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. Today on League of Our Own, we chat with our feline friend, West Tiger and soon-to-be Panther, Azara Papali'i. See what I did there, like Larry? Yeah. Like the Warriors are 12 matches down with 12 to go. We talk their season to date and if they could still land a final spot. We preview round 14 with the Waz and Townsville and a whole host of massive matches including the Bronx and the Sharks. And we are officially in the state of origin window. It's an Australian representative competition, <laughs> yet Kiwis <laughs> love this thing. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals.